We have developed speed, but we have shut ourselves in. Machinery that gives abundance has left us in want. We think too much and feel too little. More than machinery, we need humanity. We know the air is unfit to breathe and our food is unfit to eat. As if that's the way it's supposed to be. We know things are bad, worse than bad. They're crazy. to brutes, men who despise you, enslave you, who regiment your lives, tell you what to do, what to think, or what to feel, who drill you, diet you, treat you like cattle, use you as cannon fodder. Don't give yourselves to these unnatural men, machine men, with machine minds and machine hearts. Another one for Whitney Webb. Let me tell you something, folks. Whitney Webb has done, really, I would say, an enormous service to people like myself who for years have tried to expose a quote-unquote deep state or executive within an executive that is cutthroat beyond mafia level, although incorporating organized crime into their model. And this is just too far for some people to go, okay? But we, we, have, to, <laughs> we have to remember that the Central Intelligence Agency, during the days, okay, of... MK Ultra were running programs where they were running brothels. And if you don't think that underage girls, aka girls who were not 18, were part of that operation, you don't know how these people think or work. Now, on the flip side of that, when it's somebody of legal age and you have to happen to be cheating on your wife, oh, all of a sudden. That's also black mailable. So the big story going around right now is Jeffrey Ep Epstein's attempt to extort money from Bill Gates over alleged affair with a young Russian. Man, they might want to change that headline. It's too bad because they actually had a pretty good breakdown of it. You know, it's behind the paywall over at... Uh, the uh, Wall Street Journal, but basically you have this 20-year-old uh, Russian who is apparently a bridge player that he met, and her name is Mila Antonova. Okay, so she's a card player. And and maybe Billy Boy wanted to stay married. You know, some wives are not cool, no matter how much money you have, 
with you cheating on them. So that is a black mailable offense. Okay? And Whitney has been kind enough to send me these two bad boys. Okay? T take a look at that. I, 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 for people to understand, okay, how thick this is right now. Okay? I want people to see what I got right here. This is... The American Heritage Dictionary of the English Language. Been getting a lot of dictionaries lately because you know what? They're scrubbing words in the post-truth world. You see that? And then they try to... Argh. Yeah, that's right. Her books are thicker than this bad boy. I, I get it. It's got smaller print. Um, you know, bigger pages. That's impressive. She's an impressive person. And when I've seen people come out and attack her, um, who, people who are trying to be social media influencers, uh, losers of the highest degree, okay? Disingenuously, I know she's doing something right. And she's continued to do stuff that's right. She's awesome, man. Like, I, the, the work with Unlimited Hangout ha has been phenomenal. Some of the best out there. And, uh, you know... She's getting her due. I know that she's doing bigger and bigger interviews and deserves to. Again, she's helped other voices get out of out there, the people that aren't petty attackers and losers. Okay? I, let me just say this. There's always room for legitimate criticism, right? I don't get everything right. I don't think that Whitney necessarily gets everything right. She got the blackmail thing right. Big time. Big time. She's correctly identifying the network. In fact, I had Whitney Webb on uh, just before January 6th, and she predicted January 6th. In fact, tomorrow, I'm probably going to go and find that interview, probably a long one. It's probably between an hour, hour and a half long. And I'm going to uh, pick out five or ten minutes of that. We're going to play that tomorrow to show you you know, how, how, how much of a mind she is, and she gets it. She gets it. And this is, look, an international intelligence cartel. And that doesn't mean every single one of these people holds a, uh, a clearance of some sort. There are cabals within these cabals. We've been talking recently about the Bilderberg Group. Wow. Again, huge story, barely discussed. Dan Dix... Uh, Josh Friedman, Charlie Skelton. We, we're going to actually read all of Charlie's article, uh, I think, in the next segment. Charlie's article is awesome. I, I wish I could just have Charlie come on. Uh, I'm going to reach out to him and try to get his aftermath of Portugal and Lisbon. Did it, did another bang-up job. In, the, in fact, the Guardian piece is the best piece because Charlie Skelton is there. And here's the thing. You know, when I say cabals within cabals... Oh, well, the Bilderberg Group is public now. They gave us the list. And then they snuck Yoval Noah Harari in there. Old Yovali. And it's only because independent media was there. Another thing uh, that, that is not being discussed here, okay, and we're going to go through uh, this whole Twitter feed here, is that some U.S. diplomat, an American diplomat, according to police, stayed for a little uh, over two hours and then left. Huge motorcade for this person 
Who is this U.S. diplomat? You know, I, I, I didn't want to play the guessing game. And this is what we're going to be reading. Uh, but G7 on the table, all that stuff. Uh, I'm wondering if anybody has John Kerry's itinerary for... And, and I'm not saying that was John Kerry, by the way. I, I'd just be curious to know where John Kerry is because... Out of all the like old players, the old school players in this administration, I I think that he is the most important to them, the most coherent, uh, the most on board. In, in a sense that he he's been doing this for a very long time, right? Wearing the mask, I mean, literally the mask. Look, look at that. Ugh. Again, don't like to go on appearances, but whatever he did to his face years and years ago, ooh, ooh. Creeps me out, man. Gives, give me, gives me the wajilly illies. I don't like it. I don't like it. Uh, I'd like to know where he is. You know, because again, we have a president of the United States who can't speak. He can't talk, like at all. It, it's it's gotten worse and worse and worse. And I saw him uh, blaming MAGA extremists, MAGA extremists for the economy. And that's why in the uh, second hour, the premium hour, which you can get over at rvmrumble.com free. When I say premium, it's uncensored. Uh, there are certain clips, for for uh, for example, the Orfella clip that I want to play. I'm not sure we're going to get to play it. Of basically every single uh, talking head out there using the Bernaysian line they were giving. Nobody is safe until all of us are safe. And for him, and good, listen, again, we need people to push the limits. I, can, I can't play the video on my, my channel because if I play it on my channel, I'll get banned. They'll just take my channel. I don't even think they'll just give me a strike. I think they take my channel, okay? He had limited monetization on his, and he, he posted the thing. Hey, good for you, buddy. Good for you, but some of us don't live in that world. Some of us live in the world of the ban hammer immediately. And it's only going to get worse through AI uh, regulation of this. As the algorithms get better and better and better, which they will, okay, and and already are. There's a uh, 60 minutes clip we are going to play in the first hour as well that really goes into technology that is much older but now commercially available, and I want to talk about that briefly. So in the 60 minutes clip, basically you have a woman who is an ethical hacker, and what an actual white hat is, everybody. When, we, when we're talking about the uh, computer hacking industry. Now, at the same time, uh, has a business, a consultancy, does very intricately work with the military-industrial complex as well as uh, big business. Okay? Are there conflicts there? Probably. But the illustration is that now AI software and voice morphing software is so good in real time that using a simple phone spoofing tool, which is which have been around now well over a decade, like 15 years, commercially available and easy to use. It comes up a complete, it comes up basically, if they have access to your contacts or know what they're in the phone as, they just put that name in, spoof it with the number, it comes up, right? They find out what the phone number is, spoofs it, comes up, and then in real time, the voice is there. And uh, I won't give away the example until we watch the clip. But that technology, the voice morphing technology in real time, has been around literally like 25, 30 years. 25, 30 years. 
How do I know that? How do I know that? Because in Loose Change 2nd Edition, and many, many people, many, many people have really criticized that edition in some legitimate criticism, 100%. That's why we made the final cut. And there are certain things that were taken out. And, And this was taken out. But at the time, we were pointing to the fact that before the attacks in 2001, there was already real-time voice-morphing software that was being utilized by our government, our military-industrial complex, our shadow government, the executive within the executive, the continuity of government program. And I believe they called the president as the example, as somebody. Now, think about that. Would that be unprecedented? No, it would not, as we've already seen that the Central Intelligence Agency, when using uh, human-like masks, went to George Bush's office and had a conversation with him as another person with that face on and then took the mask off in front of him. So the voice morphing technology, we took a lot of hits. And by the way, I I just want to say this. I think that some of the phone calls were real. I think that Others should obviously be questioned in light of the technology that we knew existed then and is now commercially available because that's how it works, everybody. The military-industrial complex utilize things that are not available to the public that have been developed through technology to manipulate the public, all right, and run covert operations behind the scenes. Now, eventually, as technology progresses, that gets out into the arena. And now Pandora's box is opening everywhere, everywhere. So, Nico House in the second hour. uh, I'm really excited about that. I haven't talked to Nico in like forever. That's a, you know, a true, you know, left perspective, progressive perspective. You want to come over to rvmrumble.com or just go subscribe right now. Hit the notifications, everything over at Rumble's channel. And there is a almost 12-hour feed from the beginning of this show all the way through to Wayne Dupree at 8.30 p.m. Eastern. I mean, 9 to 8.30, they're doing it live. So you just go over to that live stream. It continues on. Uh, You're going to get to see a real conversation between two people that may not agree on everything. I want to get his take on the border. I want to get his take on Biden. I want to get his take on RFK Jr. and so much more. We're going to talk about it in a moment on the flip side. Folks, we have a huge problem on our hands. A banking crisis is spiraling, and it's all thanks to the current administration's reckless spending, sky-high inflation, and massive interest rate hikes. Now, these banks are suffering, and guess what? They can legally seize your savings without notice to bail themselves out. That's right. Thanks to a sneaky law passed back in 2008, it's now legal for banks to take your hard-earned money, including your retirement savings, to save themselves. Now, this could leave your retirement accounts decimated and you paying the price for their disastrous policies. Take action now before it's too late. Now, this guide will show you how to defend your money and keep your retirement savings safe from the banking crisis and the current administration's financial fiasco. 
This simple and 100% legal strategy may help you protect your retirement against higher taxes, soaring inflation, and a volatile economy. So don't let your golden years be ruined by someone else's mistakes. To secure your free wealth protection guide and safeguard what's rightfully yours, don't wait. The time to act is now. All right, we are back. One Nation Under Blackmail, Volumes 1 and 2. Again, One Nation Under Blackmail, Volumes 1 and 2, Proven Right, yet again. Okay, Whitney Webb, doing it real. And I want to go back to that story really quickly uh, before we get into the AI and play the clip. Because this Virgin Island case is huge. Why do you think all this is coming out right now? It's because someone had the Balskis and Hutch to say, you know what, we've got some money and resources. Uh, there are still a lot of victims that are not being paid out. Let's take it to them. Okay, and we're talking about a, a team of lawyers in this case. The, the, the amount of documentation that's already out there is astounding. Deutsche Bank settles for $75 million. Let me say that. $75 million recently. Okay, that, that's a huge deal. You just can't can't get away with like ads popping up after you bring in it. But $75 million recently. Just, just in the last few days. Wow. Well, how about that? You've got Staley. You've got the fact that there are obvious... Uh, jokes being thrown around with these high-level banksters about them knowing what Epstein was doing to young girls, joking about him dating Miley Cyrus. Doesn't mean he was dating her. That means they all knew he was into what? Young girls, 100%. It's a big fun fest. Jamie Dimon supposed to testify. They're trying to subpoena Wexner. This is the case to pay attention to in case you haven't been listening to me. You know, Forget about lists being unlocked, all that stuff. I'm, uh, I have a scheduled interview with Nick Bryant. Okay, I haven't, you know, he called me last week, and I totally forgot to call him back. I, I got a lot of uh, big phone calls that I missed over the uh, week and weekend that I'm going to have to get to. I got two other interviews to do after this because uh, we're keeping the premium going too, big time. Uh, I just did Jay Dyer, Stuart J. Hooper, Must Sees, an hour long. We've released snippets here and there. I may play a clip or two in the first hour. But these are the real academics we should be looking at, period. You know, Dyer, Hooper, Webb. They're extremely intelligent, extremely well-sourced. They get it. They get beyond the paradigm of right and left. And in a lot of ways, that paradigm is about to shift greatly um, with this new technology. So now I want to play this clip of 60 Minutes and, and this new publicly available AI technology. If you don't know how a criminal thinks, then you really don't know how you can protect yourself online. Rachel Toback is what's called an ethical hacker. She studies how these criminals operate. So ethical hackers, we step in and show you how it works. Toback is the CEO of Social Proof Security, a data protection firm that advises Fortune 500 companies, the military, and private citizens on their vulnerabilities. We hired her to show us how easy it is to use information found online to scam someone. We asked her to target our unsuspecting colleague, Elizabeth. Toback found Elizabeth's cell phone number on a business networking website. So, number one, th there is a place where you're 
your information, right? Your public information—it's all over the place, all over the place. Like, easy to access this stuff. Some of it are, are behind like small paywalls, but if you're targeting somebody, a small paywall is nothing. Yeah, people would be shocked if they realized the data mining that is going on constantly in their lives behind the scenes. And then that track trace database system is going to the highest bidder. Now, my fear is that the solution to all this stuff, because, you know, basically everything does break this year. All the types of authentication via visuals and audio, it does. It's going to get out of control. But their solution is to, to have more track trace and database, but now under your skin. Like biomedical tyranny, one could only imagine in, in, in the darkest and most dystopic reality. As we set up for an interview, Toback called Elizabeth, but used an AI-powered app to mimic my voice and ask for my passport number. Oh, yes, 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 I do have it. Okay, ready? It's... Toback played the AI-generated voice recording for us to reveal the scam. Elizabeth, sorry, need my passport number because the Ukraine trip is on. Can you read that out to me? Does that sound familiar? <laughs> yes. You, and I gave her... Wow. Well, I was duped. I was sitting over there. Did, what did it say on your phone? Sharon. So I want to reiterate this. Uh, the, the spoofing stuff has been around commercially forever. It's a lot easier, right, than just real-time voice morphing technology based on maybe even a small bit of audio. And, and I am glad that the target was somebody who wasn't quote-unquote famous, right? Like, if you had just targeted the uh, host of the show, there's plenty of publicly available audio of that person. You don't need that much publicly available audio of anybody anymore. That's also very frightening. So the technology, who knows, uh, 25, 30 years ago when the military industrial complex was using it, you might have had quite a bit. It might have taken some real computing power. So you might you might have had like a, a, had to have a real big hardware device, right? That's that's something we all have to acknowledge. Now that hardware device, I mean, this just about anything can handle it. You know, because technology gets smaller. They can fit more transistors. Moore's law is real. Okay. Does that mean we're hitting the singularity soon? Let's hope not because their version of the singularity is nightmare-ish. Thumbs it up, subscribe, and share, everybody. How did you do that? So I used something called a spoofing tool to actually be able to call you as Sharon. That's oh, so why I was no. hacked and I failed. I failed. No. <laughs> but everybody would get tricked with that. Yeah. Everybody would. It says Sharon. Why would I not answer this call? Why would I not give that information? Toback showed us how she took clips of me from television and put it into an app that cloned my voice. It took about five minutes. I am a public person. My voice is out there. Could a person who's not a public person like me right. be spoofed as easily? Anybody can be spoofed. And oftentimes, attackers will go after people. They don't even know who these people are. But they just know this person has a relationship to this other person. And they can impersonate that person enough just by changing the pitch and the modulation of their voice that I believe that's my nephew and I need to really wire that money. If you don't know how... A I believe that's my nephew and I need 
to really wire that money. We're here, and uh, that's just like one of the very, very small examples of this. Um, again, <laughs> well, you know, the idea that there aren't going to be like audio filters and face filters just the way that you see them now popping up on social media, like the glam filter, right? You're not paying attention. Of course they are. And that should frighten people because <sighs> real-time face and audio that is publicly available and that you don't need a, you know, a crazy device for is going to be used in, first of all, it's a tool, right? So some people will, will use it like in a cool manner, right? They're, they're kind of they're neat. They're kind of cool. <laughs> and they'll use it for art and video projects, but that's the thing. Now people post it online. And I was thinking about this the other day. There, you know, like I said, I've made mistakes. And there were two instances that I got duped and, and posted something on Twitter that was totally and completely fake. Yes, I did it. Man, I've been there since 2011. I can think of two times that I posted fake news. Fake news Burmas, you know. Shilly McBee, fake news. <laughs> and uh, those two times were, one is the Charlie Hebdo attack. And somebody had made like a mock, I think it was like CNN International site, and I didn't look at it, and it was totally fake. And I, I deleted it within, I think someone, again, someone behind the scenes told me, uh, I believe it might've even been Abby Martin and, and props to Abby. Thank you so much. Uh, I, there's a lefty whose work I respect. I may not agree with Abby all the time or her, her brother, Robbie, uh, but they put the work in. I'll tell you that right now. And they certainly source their material. So she tells me that I take it down uh, another time. There was a, a fake news story, I think, about Dog the Bounty Hunter and, and some incident that went on. And I posted it, and I think it was Paul Joseph Watson that hit me up and said, Hey, man, uh, th this is a uh, satire site. I'm like, oh, snap. Got me. They got me. Since then, I've been a lot, lot more careful. I still see stuff all the time that people say is new. Or is real. Like there's a terrible fake video of the Pentagon. Okay. And uh, it being hit by, you know, this Scott. I mean, it's awful CGI. But at the same time, uh, there's actually a couple of those videos. And I mean, those are years and years. And somebody will send them to me in my DMs. But, and, you know, before they post them, they, people want to know, you know, is this a real story? Uh, is this a real video? I can go, no, it's not real. Soon that's not really going to be possible for me to do anymore. You know, uh, I'll tell you this. I was watching some uh, UFO docs because I'm always really interested. Uh, I've been watching a lot of NASA, UFO. People think that I, I have a closed mind because uh, I've been talking about for a very long time that I don't necessarily believe in alien life. It's a possibility, but I don't think it's ever been proven. And I think the vast majority of that is a disinfo program to hide exotic technologies, right? And I, I don't just say that. I watch, I, I watch tons of stuff that, in my opinion, you know, is from the other side, the the MUFON side, 
And not that they're a bad organization. Out of all those people, because there are like a lot of grifters within that industry. I'll say that 100%, but there's grifters everywhere. I think that Richard Dolan is probably like the the, uh, most well-spoken, the most honest, the most evidence-based. But when it comes down to it, that evidence is on paper and from people that work within the system and unfortunately can't be trusted. You know, I was watching this one on uh, the conscious connection and, you know, I'm, I'm watching these, uh, <laughs> these people that think they're talking to aliens in their head from some other region. And I'm thinking, all right, well, let, let's assume they're not lying or hallucinating or, or something like that. Like this is actually happening to, to them. We're talking about voice technology, right? So you can say it in any kind of voice, but how do you know that's not a, uh, a voice of God, uh, voice to skull technology by the government. They, they've, oh, again, that's a real thing. All right. Ser- that's a seriously a real thing. That's why for me, for instance, the targeted individual issue is an issue, but I can't prove it one way or the other at all. Like it, it's going to be hard for somebody to get to the meat and potatoes if somebody's getting the uh, voice of God or two skull technology. You know, talk about not winning the lottery. Winning, <laughs> winning the shit lottery is that's happening to you and nobody's really listening to you because, again, we live in that world where how could you? And they're disregarded out of hand. And then the other thing is that so many of them are on the inside and then talking about seeing these aliens. Very skeptical, especially with all the bioengineering we've been doing for literally since the World War II era. Chimera technology. We'll get into that and more after a word from our sponsor. You're still looking good. I'm still feeling good. You know, I've got all your MyPillow products. Mattress topper, bed sheets, MyPillows, towels, slippers, blankets, sleepwear, dog Whoa, bed. whoa, Charles. Everyone now can get MyPillow products at huge discounts at MyPillow.com. That's right. Now's the time to go to MyPillow.com or call the number on your screen. Use your promo code to take advantage of our three-in-one sale. We're bringing you exciting new products, overstock specials, and closeout deals you won't find anywhere else. For example, when you buy one of our brand new MyPillow 2.0s, you get another one absolutely free. And with our overstock sale, you save 50% on our luxurious Giza Dream bed sheets. That's as low as $29.99 for the best sheets ever. And with our biggest closeout special, you get our all-season slippers for only $35 or our sandals and slides for just $25. Quantities are limited, and once they're gone, they're gone. Mike, I'm interrupting this commercial. I can't help myself every time I watch it. I want to talk like this. Here's the deal. When I discussed the Bilderberg Group, its satellite organizations, and the uh, methods they use for their madness, I talk about the military-industrial complex black budget. And that black budget, I mean, really, you're talking about somewhere in the neighborhood of half a trillion to two trillion a year at this point. Very hard to prove. Think about how how that money moves and where it moves to and what it moves for. And some of that probably relates to old Black Mailington. 
Old blackmailing to make a lot of money through blackmail. Hey, Gates, we need you to fund something. Get out that cheese, son. Him and every other scumbag that quote-unquote gets on the boat and becomes compromised. Uh, and the thing is, I want to read this entire Guardian article on the Bilderberg Group, which we will be doing. Uh, but before that, I want to play uh, just this uh, three-minute or so uh, clip of myself and... Uh, what is it? Do I have, yeah, there it is right there. It's actually only like two minutes. Of Stuart J. Hooper and I talking about that black budget. This is on the premium side. You can get the whole thing, redvoicemedia.com slash uncensored. That's right, redvoicemedia.com slash uncensored. Try it the first week out for a buck, and then it is $10 a month or lock it in. Really support me. I know I have at least one person lock it in for a year over the weekend. Uh, that's great. It's 100 bucks, and then you save 20 It's not just me. It's everybody else putting out premium content over at Red Voice Media. So please, please, please consider uh, supporting me over there, and you're going to get the full hour of this bad boy. The black budget, again, because we have to speculate, could be anywhere from half that to two times that. So let me repeat that for people, okay? Yeah, we've got $850 billion on the books, almost a trillion, okay? Then you have the black ops budget that is somewhere in the, in the neighborhood of between $500 billion and two trillion dollars that we never hear about and does not have to be accounted for that's a reality Stuart. Mm -hmm. yeah there's a great book on that called blank check by tim weiner um and he does his best to figure out precisely what that black budget is but as, as you mentioned it, it's tough it's hard to do um so tough in fact that again many academics would just say oh well you can't figure that out so why bother worrying about it Let, let's go and measure something else well i don't know <laughs> that that might just be a problem <laughs> um, well, even endless... today Stuart, the breaking news is somehow they messed up on the books on what they gave to yep. ukraine and they've got an extra $3 billion for Ukraine. It's just $3 billion. We, we made a little mistake. Here's another $3 billion. And we're mm -hmm. supposed to just accept that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And I would... Um... I know this is uh, going out on RVM. Um, I've never branded myself left or right. I've never said I'm a liberal, never said I've, I've never said I'm a conservative. I kind of pick and choose on the individual issues. The only thing I really care about is foreign policy, um, the military industrial complex and stuff like this. I would challenge all of you out there um, on the left or the right, because this, this applies regardless. If you think the military industrial complex is a problem, um, well, what else could we use that $850 billion for? Um, this is a country that apparently says it doesn't have enough money to provide health care to its citizens. That uh, This is a country that is not um, near um, number one in the world for education. So there's just two big social problems um, exactly that maybe you could address. Um, so if, if you really want to um, figure out some solutions here, maybe that but might be... But that's if uh, you want an informed and active populace. Get the whole story. Boom, boom, boom. Get the whole story. So yeah, those clips are also available for you guys to share far and wide on all sorts of um, social media platforms, including Twitter at Jason Burmis, where we gained like... like again, when I gain uh, over 100 people on a weekend... Uh, that's like the best I can do. Talk about throttling. Like my uh, my tweets, you know, I, I got, I, I was like one of the first people to put out the Bilderberg list. Um, so that one got a lot of traction. But if you see the motion and traction on my account, 
and whatever algorithm they got shadow ban on me. Come on, man. It's because they don't want you to, you know, I, I got to get Josh Friedman on as well because Josh Friedman did great. I'd love to get everybody that was there on. Josh Friedman did incredible work. Again, uh, D. Yuk on Twitter. And that's where you can see, I mean, he goes down the line. And Skelton's commentary, just in the tweets, is so worth it. Talk about a guy that's kind of shadow banned. You know, he's got like 6,000 followers. He should should have 10 times that easily. 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 Funny guy. um, And and really, this this is his really only journalistic topic that I've seen him really focus on. So let's do it. The Portuguese sun was doing its cheery best to make this year's Bilderberg meeting seem warm and welcoming, but nothing could take the deathly chill out of the official agenda of the secretive shindig for some of the world's most powerful people. Ukraine, Russia, and NATO weighed heavy on the schedule with fiscal challenges and transnational threats, seeming like light relief. Today said the head of NATO, Jens Stolenberg. Arriving in Lisbon to attend the talks, our security environment is more dangerous than it has been since the Cold War. This annual three-day conference to many things, an elite networking event, a diplomatic summit, a lobbying opportunity for transnational financial interests, an intense focus for conspiracy theory gossip. But above all, the 69th Bilderberg Conference at the glorious Pistana Palace appeared like a council of war. He's not wrong. Damn, Charlie. Kicking ass, taking names. Just a great, great written piece. Ukraine's foreign minister hadn't come to Lisbon because he loves the happy clatter of trams and the Supreme Allied Commander of Europe wasn't here for the custard tarts. (laughs) Which was a shame. Because they're excellent. I guess they can't risk dusting them with cinnamon in Henry Kissinger's presence. Because one sneezing might be enough to carry him off to his reward. (laughs) That's an age joke and a funny one. On the eve of Kissinger's uh, centenary, the former U.S. Secretary of State and longtime Bilderberg kingpin will be delighted, or whatever dull ache he feels instead of delight, to see so many U.S. intelligence officials at this year's meeting. They're Kissinger's kind of people. Biden sent his Director of National Intelligence, Avril Haines, and his Senior Director for Strategic Planning at the National Security Council, Thomas Wright. Plus a shadowy gaggle of White House strategists and spooks, among them uh, Jen Easterly, the Director of Cybersecurity and Infrastructure Security, Uh, who said recently that the Western world faces two epic-defining threats and challenges, artificial intelligence and China, both of which feature on this year's agenda. Aside from Ukraine, it was these issues which dominated thinking in Lisbon. China's overarching aim is to rearrange the world order, said Lisbon attendee Elizabeth Economy, who's participating in her second Bilderberg, as Biden's senior advisor for China at the Department of Commerce. The rise of what she called a China-centric order with its own norms and values is a gauntlet thrown down at Bilderberg. The, The elite forum, which has helped frame and foster the Western world, order for nearly seven decades. 
They don't mind a new world order, but they want to be manufactured at Bilderberg, not made in China. I would say a lot of those models align. They align. They want that. That's part of the game. But they certainly want to steer and control it uh, rather than let some other emerging superpower do so. <sighs> Let's see. The twin threats of China and technology are intertwined in the thinking of Bilderberg board member Eric Schmidt just a few days ago, the former boss of Google, told a congressional hearing that AI is very much at the center of the competition between China and the U.S. and that China is now dedicating enormous resources to outpace the U.S. in technologies, in particular AI. Schmidt acknowledges the uh, existential risks of AI, even warning that things could be worse than people are saying, but rejects the call made by some AI experts, including Elon Musk, for a six-month pause in AI development because any delay will simply benefit China. Let me say this. I don't think we should be delaying technology in that sense at all, okay, unless we're really talking about scary, chimeric, biomimetic stuff, which we probably are at this point behind the scenes, but that's not what they're talking about. When we're talking about algorithmic AI in the form of bots and GPTs, whether they be text-based or art-based or even um, face-based, right? I think it should be an open market, especially when the AI is telling us what it's telling is already censored. Because that, if it's not an open market, we're all screwed. All screwedy screwed. There seemed a darkly iconic logic at play. We have to push ahead with developing something which might destroy us before China develops it into something that might destroy us. Another of the Silicon Valley luminaries in Lisbon was Sam Altman, the CEO of OpenAI. Ah, OpenAI, not lovely. Open AI's up in the pizzy. Better believe it. <laughs> Earlier this week, Altman shared his concerns about AI at a U.S. Senate hearing and warned of the growing capacity for AI to bamboozle the voting public with plausible fakery. A, particularly, uh, a particular worry for Altman, given that we're going to face an election next year and these models are getting better. I mean, the, like I said, I actually agree it's not just elections. It's everywhere and everything. But everybody's so worried about election integrity. Yeah, okay. Interestingly, the question of U.S. leadership is on the conference agenda here at Bilderberg, although with the looming release of OpenAI's next-generation chat GPT-5, the 2024 presidential debates might well be won by a witty and charismatic chatbot. Altman is in favor of regulatory intervention by governments, which he says will be critical, uh, critical to mitigate the risks of increasingly powerful models. But not everyone here at Bilderberg agrees. Schmidt says that AI needs appropriate guardrails, but caused a stir last week for suggesting rather snootily that AI companies should be self-regulating because there's no way a non-industry person can understand what is possible. Here's the deal. Once again, I want these things to be open source or at least have competition because the AI they're giving us is awful. It's terrible. It's narrative management. 
It, it, again, it's at the fingertips of those that are programming it. So you can't give a monopoly of the ability to program this AI to people that have been proven liars, right? The more than two dozen politicians at this year's Bilderberg might take issue with that argument, but we'll never know because the entire conference takes place behind closed doors with zero press oversight. Nothing's leaking out from behind the luxuriant bourgeois vias of the Pistina Palace. He is correct there. Increasingly, Kissinger has been attending Bilderberg conferences on and off since 1957. His preoccupation with uh, secrecy and personal diplomacy, as a 1975 profile of his controversial statesman put it, fits perfectly with the Bil uh, Bilderberg feroci uh, ferocious, ferocious sorry, desire to keep the annual talks private. They do, they do love those private talks. They love them. Chatham House rules. Mm. And with that being said, we're going to go to our final commercial of this hour before we start to flip. Actually, there's one at the very end. And remember, second hour, you're going to want to go to the RVM Rumble. Subscribe over there. It's free. Nico House is going to be in the house, everybody. Uh, it's going to be a great conversation. You're going to want to come over. Let's hit that clip. Have you heard of Executive Order 14067? This little-known order implemented the digital dollar, the most sinister plan to control your spending. And it gets worse. In November, the federal government and banks began a test program to roll out the digital dollar. With this, privacy for all Americans will be lost forever. Imagine, the government can now track all of your spending. The government can tell you what you can and can't buy. The government could confiscate your cash. When digital currency was rolled out in China, Bloomberg wrote, quote, this will lead to control like no other, end quote. The EU has announced that they are next, but it is already happening in America, which makes this wealth protection guide that American Alternative Assets just put out even more urgent. Project Hamilton, as this secret order is being called, might be the scariest order to happen to privacy and freedom in America since its founding which makes this wealth protection guide so incredibly valuable right now. Move your money out of cash and into something that doesn't infringe on your privacy. You see, there is one legal IRS-proof loophole that could protect your IRA, 401k, and pension savings with gold and silver. And this free guide tells you exactly which steps you need to take right now to move part of your IRA or 401k into precious metals with no tax consequences. As this program rolls out, the sky's the limit for the level of government control that could be enforced on your money. Protect your savings and your privacy. But in the devastation ahead, American Alternative Assets is offering you something rare, a chance to protect your wealth and possibly even grow it. All right, let's continue on in this final segment of the first hour. Again, we got Nico House coming up in the second hour. Lots of private talks, killer piece by Charlie Skelton over at The Guardian. But it's a desire that sometimes tumbles over into paranoia. On Thursday, The Guardian met the European head of Bilderberg, Victor Hal Halberstadt, coming out of the pharmacy in Lisbon, clutching a packet of barrier skin cream. 
Halsesper didn't just ignore a polite media approach. He flat out denied that he was Victor Halberstadt and then hopped into a Mercedes, which whisked him off through the security cordon. <laughs> it's not, I'm not that guy. I'm not, that, no, seriously, I'm not that guy. Nope, nope. These aren't the droids you're looking for. This kind of Cold War cloak and daggerism seems oddly anarchistic for a conference that is hosting a cutting-edge conversation about artificial intelligence with the CEOs of DeepMind and Microsoft. That said, all the ducking and weaving seems to work if the endgame is inattention by the press. Considering the number and seniority of public figures and policymakers who attend Bilderberg, there is eerie lack of coverage in the world's mainstream press. This year's roster reads just uh, in part three prime ministers, two deputy prime ministers, the president of the European Parliament, the president of Eurogroup, the vice president of the European Commission, two Europe, uh, EU commissioners, an MEP, any number of European ministers, and a number of the House of Lords, Dambayuso uh, Moyo, who besides being a baroness, is also on the board of a giant oil company, Chevron. As ever, big oil was a powerful presence at Bilderberg with the heads of Total, BP, and Galp getting a seat at the table. Big Pharma had a healthy presence with the heads of Merck and Pfizer and the director of AstraZeneca on the list. Weird. Yeah, you, you realize that all of these things are the things we cover here, right? Right? And the international chemicals industry is represented by the CEO of BASF and a board member of Coca-Cola. Naturally enough, the likely primary interest of these chairman directors and CEOs is their bottom line, to which end they're always keen to ensure industry regulations are bent in their favor. Luckily, many of them are senior members of trade federations and commercial lobbying groups. A good example is the International Institute of Finance a major force in global financial governance? It's chaired by the head of Banco Santander and Bilderberg Steering Committee member, hmm, Anna Boten. John Waldron, president of Goldman Sachs. Oh, another banking deal. Nice. Goldman Sachs is also on the board. These are two of the most powerful financial lobbyists in the world. And yet they get three luxurious days to chew the fat with the policymakers under no real media scrutiny, except for what? Charlie Skelton, Dan Dix, Josh Friedman. I believe the, the, the other gentleman's name is Frederico uh, Cavallo, right? And then sparsely in the media. Hmm, that great? Isn't that lovely? This is the dark heart of Bilderberg's accountability problem. Just because the conference plays out in private doesn't mean the talks... Uh, take place in some kind of sanctified orb in which the commercial concerns of Luxembourg-based hedge funds boss like Raleigh Van Rompard and co-chair of the CBC Capital Partners are somehow temporarily suspended. When the Spanish uh, foreign minister is mulling over Ukraine with the head of NATO, he's doing so with an earshot of some of the world's most uh, rapacious investors like Henry Kravis or hedge fund boss Kenneth Griffin, the 21st richest man in America. 
These are people whose billions depend on having the informational edge over their competitors. And it's hard to know what the Griffins and Van Rappards are even doing there except to pick up geostrategic tidbits to help make a quick buck. Arms dealing anyone? Hey there! Whoa! Have we talked arms dealing before? I wonder. I wonder if they talk about, I don't know, arms dealing in these books? Arms dealers? Yet, that doesn't seem to raise any ethical red flags with any of the politicians who trot along to the talks. They're quite happy to talk turkey behind the bourgeois villas with a bunch of billionaires and profiteers. But heaven forbid, there's a press conference at the end of it. Bravo, Charlie. Bravo. And uh, like I said, I wanted to go kind of just down the line. Um... Right here is David Lammy. He said he was extremely rude, and he called him a snooty grifter. He is not wrong. Uh, this is Clement Bone right there. He's the French transport minister. Plenty of ministers there, like he said. Uh, that That's the crew of journalists right there, doing great jobs. Thank God for those people. Thank God for those people. Bon voyage, Henri de Eighth Patricia. So there you go. I mean, they nailed it this year. And this is the, yes, Frederique Darte uh, Cavallo did, did an excellent job. I guess they all had themselves uh, a drink at the Bilderberg um, Hotel here where it happened afterwards, once you're let, allowed to be let back in. Okay, there's uh, the steering committee member. I haven't played this clip. Let's play it. Let's see what we got here. Bonjour, Ms. Barbizet. Welcome to Lisbon. Will Total be well represented at the meeting this year? <laughs> Ms. Barbizet, as a steering committee member, could you give me one comment about what you might be focusing on at, at this year's meeting? No comments? See who play? We got to get Friedman on. He's, he does such a good job, man. And, and this is far from his first rodeo at Bilderberg. Uh, he's been there year in and uh, year out. And that means something to me. You know, like it's not cheap or easy to go do these things. Uh, they don't want a spotlight on themselves. That That's for sure. That's for certain. People need to realize that. These people want to hide in the darkness. Okay? It's... it's it's a big deal. They want they they don't want scrutiny over what they're doing, and that's that's a huge issue. That's a huge problem. We need to uh, you need to have oversight over I don't know unaccountable billionaires and their buddies. When you don't, you get a whole lot of this. You get a whole lot of that's again. Look at these books. Look at these books. My God. And, and again, anybody. Who, who wants, you know, I've, I've heard that uh, people people write, oh, Whitney Webb steals info. Bullshit. That's, that's, that's the, again, those are from whiny losers. That's where that started. Like whiny losers and grifters. 
Her, her stuff is A1 number one, well-researched. And, and the people that I, I've heard that she steals it from, I mean, geez, just some of the worst. <laughs> period. Like, period. And it's like, I, I, again, talk about attention seekers. They just, they just can't wait. They can't wait to say, oh, you stole this from me. Yeah. 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 She's, she stole it. She's, she's a thief. <laughs> just wild stuff. Let's get the thumbs up. Let's get to subscribing. Let's get to sharing. And I want to remind everybody uh, that up in the next hour, we're going to have a conversation with an actual leftist uh, and reporter. Uh, you read that right there in his profile. I didn't write it. Uh, Nico House. And once again, we're going to talk RFK Jr. We're going to talk Joey B. We're going to talk uh, the state of the media, really, and much more. In fact, that's him right now. I'm going to admit him into the uh, conversation here, and hopefully he's going to be able to hear and see me. But we're going to find out in a second if he does. Nico, can you hear and see me? I can hear and see your beautiful face. Well, that is fantastic. Uh, we, we are going to have to go to a VPN commercial in a couple minutes, but it's 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 nice to see you. I haven't talked to you in God knows how long, probably over a year. Too long, man. Wait, it feels like at least a year. It might, probably more than a year, right? I mean, I know that you've been busy. We, we talk a little bit behind the scenes um, with your RT sure. thing and uh, so much more, <clears throat> but... We really haven't talked about the state of the pol politics much after the Biden administration has even come into being. And we're almost yeah. in the next political cycle, right? So, nah, facts. yeah, for those that don't know you, which would probably be the vast majority of my somewhat conservative audience, at least over at Red Voice Media, that, you know, came along for the ride after me getting a job there. How did you get started, you know, as kind of like this progressive liberal from your generation into what you've become now, which I think is much more of an independent, but I'm going to let you speak for yourself. Yeah. Um, so funny enough, I actually have never been registered to a political party. Uh, I came into the fold working on Bernie's campaign in 2016 while I was at the University of North Carolina at Chapel Hill. Uh, I started the largest Bernie organization in the country and it actually started at the at UNC but we had done such a great job organizing the community I ended up running this the city and eventually the campaign had me run the state so I was the state director for Bernie's campaign right up until about three to four weeks before uh, the campaign uh, came to an end uh, obviously at the election of uh, the North Carolina primaries so um, to make that long story very short, I caught some motherfuckers cheating uh, and I was right is basically what happened <laughs> because I just happened to have like a really weird uh, and convenient network that maybe most of the state directors didn't have because most of the state directors were political operatives previously. People didn't really trust them all that much for that reason. However, I was a college student. I was a volunteer. I didn't come from a political background. I was just very good at, at galvanizing and motivating people to get activated. And that, and so people trusted me, including some people in the campaign. So once uh, I figured that out, I talked to Tulsi Gabbard, tried to figure out what I should do. Her, along with Jared and Elizabeth Lee Beck, uh, all agreed that we should do something about it. And that's where the, the DNC fraud lawsuit was born. Uh, me, uh, Jared, Liz, and Colin O'Brien 
all worked on the DNC fraud lawsuit that went all the way up to the Supreme Court before it was conveniently knocked down. Wait, by, let's talk uh, about it on the other side. We got to go to a commercial break, but this is the last ahead, commercial ahead. break, and then we're going to the uncensored second hour, everybody. We'll be back after this word from our sponsor. We love the internet, but the internet is tracking everything you do. Take control of your online privacy with IP Vanish. People with malicious intent are everywhere watching you. Criminals can hack your Wi-Fi while broadband providers and advertisers monitor your data. With IP Vanish on your device, your internet activity is encrypted. No one can see what you're doing. Your location, your connection, completely hidden. Protect your internet privacy today with IP Vanish. And of course I go back into that. I'm sorry guys, it's on the fly when we do the interviews live. But now YouTube. Hey, I actually, I'm glad you, I even looked at that guy needed a new VPN, funny enough. I actually <laughs> use that. Listen, so so like that's not even a scam. Like I'll be honest, I don't have a, a my pillow. We do one of those commercials. Uh, the only kind of gold and silver I have is physical, you know what I mean? That kind of thing. I'm not invested that way. Yeah. But I've been using that's that's not a joke. It's on my phone right now. I'll show everybody. I've been using IP Vanish literally probably like six years, seven years. It is a wow. great product. And the best part about it is it does do uh, five at a time for, for your subscription. If you get it like at the discounts, like $74.99, it's not that bad, under a hundred bucks for the year. And it just, it has a connection just about everywhere where you want to get some geo content. So we're done with the spiel. We're done over at YouTube, RVM Rumble, come back. We're talking Supreme Court. We're talking real election fraud all the way back in 2016. And we're going to get into, again, 2020, what his thoughts are on that. Biden, the Republicans, RFK Jr., and more. We'll see you later, YouTube. Okay, Mr. House. <laughs> <laughs> Continue because the, the, that Supreme Court lawsuit is very, very important because we're still seeing, yeah. obviously, corruption in uh, our election systems, I would I would argue, in all directions, more directions now than ever before. Yeah, for sure. Uh, but, um, but the infrastructure is still there from the voting machines and those that get to count the votes ultimately. Correct? Exactly. And it's people act like the mathematics are complicated. Well, first of all, what we learned in the DNC fraud lawsuit is that during our one of the hearings, uh, it was a hearing to dismiss. The DNC attorney, Bruce Spiva, argued in court that they could rig the election in a smoke-filled room and, and, and they could choose their candidate there and we couldn't do anything about it. Now, although the judge uh, eventually said that that's actually simply not true, that they can't just ignore their DNC charter, what, what ended up happening is that politics came into play, ultimately. I mean, there were people who recused themselves. Uh, like when we appealed, somebody recused themselves and that was probably the only impartial judge on that panel. Uh, in Florida, uh, South Florida specifically, 11th, the 11th Circuit Appellate Court, I believe it was. And so when we go to the Supreme Court, it's actually, it was hell for some reason. And I was like, why the hell are they holding this case for so long? And Jared and Liz were kind of confused too. Then we realized, even though it was supposed to be advantageous for us to have a mostly Republican Supreme Court judge for obvious reasons, the one judge that they, that we didn't want to get it, obviously, was Clarence Thomas, specifically because he owed Biden a favor. In the moment that Biden wins the primary, Clarence Thomas gets the case and doesn't even hear it. He just immediately dismisses it. So 
we i always and, and by the way so how i right came there. to the let me stop oh, go ahead, the, i think it's important for people to understand that because so many people right now look at clarence thomas as some kind of hero especially on the right um you know with the abortion issue and they feel like the attacks of the donors um that have been coming out through ProPublica and um mm -hmm. emphasized by other organizations aren't legitimate i would argue that they are legitimate but it's going on yeah. on all sides and they're yeah. kind of they are trying to take out this conservative judge, but don't think like you just said that he isn't doing favors for people and that he's always about uh, accountability, especially in our if, elections. Jason, can I say yeah. if they're trying to take out Clarence Thomas, it's to put somebody worse in. Like, I think that you would probably agree with me on that. Yeah, 100 percent, right? which is scary because he's so corrupt <laughs> anyway. That's my point. Like, like people don't get it. Like, again, this guy had an opportunity to what? Have people look at these uh, Democratic nominations. Mm -hmm. Oh, oh, but we can't have that. And and then now look what's happening with people like Carrie Lake. I'm glad that she's getting her day in court after going all the way to the Supreme Court. But at the same time, what is the outcome going to be when we have so many corrupt judges everywhere? And just like you said, if they're getting rid of somebody as bad as Clarence, they're getting ready to put someone worse in. Facts. I mean, and, and Jason, you remember I had this conversation. I think that both of us kind of had the same feel about Trump for the most part. And I would always tell people, I said, for as bad as y'all feel Trump is, or like leftists, for example, for as bad as leftists or liberals might think Trump is, I said, for some reason, the elite have all agreed he's not bad enough. <laughs> so what comes next is going to be worse. And good God, if we weren't right. It, I mean, Biden is literally trying to start World War III every single day. We're looking at this unwrap, very similar to the history that I actually learned from both uh, you and, oh man, who's my guy, who who did a wonderful breakdown of how World War I actually started. Like Corbett, the real maybe? reason. Corbett? Corbett, yeah. exactly. He, did, he that, did an amazing job on that document. Bro, and if you look at the history, like I I use that history that I learned from Corbett to to explain the leftists. I'm like, look at the patterns. Like, you don't have to like him. You don't have to 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 believe in in anything outside of what we know for for certain, even if you're a leftist. I even talk about the Bolshevik Revolution. I'm like, if you look at the Bolshevik Revolution, it was funded by the U.S. and the U.K. Because it's like at the end of the day, the goals that Corbett laid out uh, by the U.S. was to do what? Take out Russia, take out Germany, take out Russia, take out Germany. And the only piece that still remained on the chessboard was still Russia. And we are seeing a hundred years later, they are still trying to make the same play. Till this day, they're still trying because. It, it never happened. And they thought when they took out, um, when they got rid of the royal family, it's a lot harder to keep a country united when they don't have a, a, a monarch to unite behind. They just didn't account for Stalin kind of coming out of nowhere, but that's a different conversation. Mm -hmm. But my point is, is that when they take somebody out, bro, it's to put somebody worse in. And we going back to the election machine, the voting machines, like this is what frustrated me about Trump, right? He kept talking about voter fraud. Voter fraud was barely happening. Election fraud on a grand scale from politically organized individuals, institutions, that is what was happening. If you think Johnny Dick is dick in his hand is somewhere is like doing this massive scale voter fraud, like that's not what's gonna change the outcome of Donald Trump 
winning when this man literally increases voter base across every demographic except for white men. That takes political power, people, corporate power. And everyone needs to understand that our justice system, which I mean, I'm an independent leftist, so like, and I'm black. Like, I don't believe our justice system is legitimate. So I don't like, I didn't just like, I don't conveniently decide like, oh man, now it's legit. Yeah, for sure. Like, no, if I thought it was illegitimate before, and I thought I'm gonna think it's illegitimate later, and if they happen to get it right, it was on accident. It is an anomaly. That's how I th that's how I feel about it. it. Is, but our listen, justice system is, is different. Our Supreme Court justices are not elected, people. <laughs> our federal judges are not elected. Our U.S. attorneys are not elected. They are selected, and that is actually in it. We are an exclusion to the rule of the rest of North, South, and Central America. That's not how it works everywhere else. So let's talk about that because you know what you just talked about selections. And I, I would say that the big story right now is the Durham report. And unfortunately, yeah. with the Durham report, it, to me, I, I knew there weren't going to be any prosecutions because Bill Barr had already spouted of that off. Um, Durham brought in weak prosecutions where one out of three got convicted. They weren't really feature players. They've openly said they're not going uh, after them, but they give enough talking points to the right where they can have their – I mean – you know, essentially said the deep state does exist. You know, if this wasn't a witch hunt, it sure looked like one. There should have never been an investigation. You get those talking points. Then the left mm -hmm. says there's no prosecutions. Look at the Mueller report. They might not have been able to prove Russia, Russia, Russia. Which is crazy because if you look at the Mueller report, he kind of says the same thing as Durham. Like he kind of is just like it's framed differently, but it's basically the same thing. Boom. You nailed it. You nailed it. So the whole thing is limited hangout management. You got your guy Mueller as the figurehead who came in to, to do all the FBI cover up of 9-11. Then you got Bill yeah. Barr, the CIA fixer, originally in there. And then he puts Durham in charge after the fact because things are heating up in that investigation. All of a sudden they have the Hunter Biden laptop and he can't look at that either. <laughs> and, it can't, and by the way... Even before all this, they had the Wiener laptop, which God knows what... Bro, that dude has a show now! They gave him a podcast. And he did it. This is what kills me. Again, pick your demons, people. But he's he, he originally, he the guy might have backed off. I think it was Curtis Silva, the head of the, uh, what, what were the, the guys that wear the red hats in New York City. Um, something angels. Uh, the guardian angels. So they, they, they oh, were like okay. that vigilante group that started in the 80s that's still around down there that they could actually use more of in New York City and other states right now. But you'll get prosecuted, let's be honest, Guardian Angels at this point. It's, yeah. it's craziness. They've inverted reality on us. All this has been going on a long time, just like you said. The machines have made it worse. Uh, there's no accountability there. Like I said, everybody gets their talking points in this report. Where is election integrity in 2024? I mean, do you have hopes of this uh, Kerry Lake trial? What are your thoughts? No, no, like outside of once again, perhaps it's exposing how corrupt our system is. That's the only, I don't, I don't expect our election system to be, to be fixed through the justice system. It will only be fixed once, once people like fully wake up and, and flip a fucking table over, bro. Like, mm -hmm. I don't know what else people need to do. Like, I'm not saying that we shouldn't care about elections in fact it's, it's the opposite you i care so much about this stuff people like pasta jardula and others fiorella those who actually are in in like who've, who've been involved in this for years now yeah. we care about this so much because i see so much time and energy and wasted resources being put into an election and that's from both sides by the way including trump people because i see a lot of my friends who who are conservative who are going all in for trump and they 
you know, they haven't talked to me as much lately, Jason, you know, even though we're still tight, but they have, cause they know what I'm gonna say when they bring it up to me, like they know that I'm gonna be like, what the fuck are you doing, bro? Like, well, y'all haven't fixed any problems. And that's the thing. <laughs> let's, let's talk about that. That's the biggest issue. Okay. In 2020, Donald Trump could not have been in a position of more strength overseeing the elections before they happened. Now, in reality, and the Republican Party, don't forget them, both of them. Well, the Republican Party's a joke. Again, you, yeah, of course. And, and but the other, they both, the they both is, were operating from positions of strength. I mean, yeah. Well, again, look, look at his. Again, and I've talked about it on the inside of his administration. You had two key guys that are just demon level, and it's Pompeo and Barr, and they're the ones that are being promoted by conservatives that are on these type of tours that are talking to people, and they're both central intelligence agency guys. Period. Yeah. So that's a bad that's a bad move. And right after the election, Snake in the Grass, um, Pompeo acted like they were gonna find a way to elect Trump, right? He's like, we're gonna have the rightfully elected president in there. Yeah. Pompeo knew exactly yeah, what that's he was what going he on. He did he meant that. He definitely meant that. <laughs> he got the right guy that he wanted, which was by a hundred percent. And that and that's the thing. So Donnie T over there, beforehand, instead of coming to the American people and saying, Hey, this COVID thing, we, we, I need an executive order now to get rid of these. And we're still going to have paper ballots and people in person. We're going to find a way. And actually, forget about these machines. Someone needs to just executive order. No privatized machines that are hooked up to the internet. Mechanical machines and counts, period. That's the yeah, first Corporations step. do not get to have a say in our fucking election. I don't know what is so controversial about that. Like, <laughs> what? That's insane I, to me I, that we even have to say this. Like, this is every no other. Bro, I live, I live in Brazil now. I don't know if you know that. I no, I didn't know that. Now. I thought you were still in Florida. Yeah. When'd you move? I moved about two, three, three months ago now, actually. Yeah, okay. about three okay. months ago. Okay. I love it. I started the process about five months ago, but I moved officially about three months ago. Yeah. Right, I love so, it. I love it. So, so it's, you know, it has, its, it has its problems, but most of the problems in Brazil, which is part of the reason why I'm here, are caused by the deep state in the US. Right. So the, I, it's crazy the conversations I have with people and they are either exclusively blaming Bolsonaro for their problems or exclusively blaming Lula. And I say, you know, neither one of them are in control, right? <laughs> like, why y'all think that y'all, I say, y'all have the, a better agricultural industry than us. They have a better tourist industry than us. Jason, Brazil doesn't have natural disasters. Did you know that? No. Not a single. They don't have earthquakes. They don't have hurricanes. They don't have tornadoes. They don't even have fucking mudslides. Why is they that? Don't, they don't have anything. They're called the blood. They like their nickname is like the blessed land uh -huh. because they don't have any. They have better weather than us. Like I, I mean, their animals are cooler than ours, bro. I went to go see Jesus, the the Christ, the Redeemer, bro. There's just a monkey hanging out, talking to people, chilling. Like everything is better here, even the food, the quality of the food, the quality of the meat, given how poisoned the the food is in the U.S. Yeah, and that's exactly why the U.S. will never let Brazil reach its full potential because it has it has this, the diversity as well, and so. We, I, I have to explain to people all the time, like we're y'all, y'all kind of have control of your elections now. However, the the influence of propaganda has started to become a lot more prevalent here because their elections are 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 locked tight. Like they use fingerprint scanners and everything. So you they're on biometric cheat. levels, right? Like we've I talked about. Yeah, this. It, and it's a requirement to vote so that they have accountability for every single biometric like in the country. So you have to vote. Do you, if the only way you don't get, the only way you're allowed to not vote, like you have to basically 
have a, a referendum filled out or a memo and then you send it in, maybe you're in the hospital or something like that, but they even have ways to make sure that elderly and disabled people can vote, which, you know, in, in, in theory is a great idea, but once again, then you have to address like the propaganda because now there's so many people who believe Bolsonaro was cheated because they don't even understand their election system. Mm -hmm. but, but that's by design. You have, and, but Marco Rubio and Ted Cruz were down here fucking around and people don't know about that. Well, let's talk, let's talk about that aspect of it because first of all, uh, I want to take it back to where you talked about how one group of people's blaming Lula for their problems and the other people uh, are blaming uh, Bolsonaro. So they're very much in, uh, locked in a battle of who's good, who's evil. Right. And they've got exactly. the, the enemy and the hero, just like here in many ways with Donnie T. Right. And, and Joey B. When when in reality, you just Donnie T and Joey B. When you roll it back, you know that Joey B runs nothing. You know, his cackle monster, you know, surrogate runs nothing. So exactly. <laughs> I mean, monster. if we can even call her a surrogate, by the way. Well, again, she's, she's supposed to be number two in charge. You know, there there have been vice presidents that have done things. In fact, I would argue Joe Biden as a vice president was much more of a mover Jamie. and shaker and getting policy done because of how corrupt he was and how long mm -hmm. he had been there. And he was still, you know, conscious. Yeah, then. No, yeah, that's, yeah. that's the reason that he was made vice president, despite his embarrassing defeats multiple times. Yeah, because he was an ins he was Joey B. He was literally insider gangster. That's why they made him that. Um, yeah. So we have that. And you, 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 let's go. Brandon is fun. I get it. But then I got to hear, you know, Brandon say that it's MAGA extremists that have gutted the economy of the country. And it's like, what? He just said it yesterday. <laughs> he said he's not to blame when it crashes. It's MAGA extremists. And I'm like, what planet are we on that we've not, we've gone from, I don't know, left, right, conservative, liberal, Republican, Democrat, to two kind of figureheads. Like, look, Donnie says the right things, but at the end of the day, he's still locked down the country. He still gave Operation power War to Fauci. Speed, bro. I don't know how many fucking times we have to bring that shit up. I... Uh, Eric, well, J Trump is different. Operation Warp Speed. I don't want to hear how he's different. Mm -hmm. Operation Warp Speed is all you need to fucking know. Assange is still in jail. Operation Warp Speed. Well, let's Period. talk about that. That's what are we time. talking about? Listen, I, I think that there were certain things that he was able to do, but at the same time, Epstein got killed on his watch, right? He didn't speak out against that. Again, we're talking about Bill Barr, CIA guys, Pompeo, whatever they told. Never released the JFK documents. You just said Operation Warp Speed. Huge thing. And Assange. Now, here's the key. I don't know if you saw the news story about Giuliani in the last week that this woman is saying they had an inappropriate sexual relationship. She's suing him. She was like in her suing late... Suing who? Giuliani or Assange? Giuliani. Okay. okay we'll get, we'll get to why, why this connects to Assange in a moment. Um, so anyway, one of the other things she said, and, and by the way, I don't care about his sexual relationships with younger women. None of that. Who cares? But the interesting thing is she brought up the fact that he was allegedly selling pardons for Trump at $2 million a apiece and they were splitting the money. Now, why would I give shit, that? Shit, man, that shit sound like a business to me. Well, I don't. <laughs> let, me, let me say this. I'm glad you said that because, uh, let's see right here. That report was something that I had covered that wasn't through her lawsuit via this story right here. Giuliani associate told ex-CIA officer John Kariaku, the whistleblower, uh, yeah, that's what I'm talking about back in January. And Kiriako, I watched his video on it. Basically, he came out and he said that uh, he sat down with Giuliani and associate. Giuliani got up, got up, left the room. And then the associate said $2 million for a pardon. And Kiriako was taken aback because, you know, he was just there to plead his case. The fact that he wasn't a fucking 
narc or war criminal. He's actually a real yeah. whistleblower and hero, which he was. And it's not that I didn't believe him, but now that that's come out, that reinforces it. And it may be a reason that somebody like Kodak Black gets a pardon. Hundred <laughs> percent. And Lil Wayne, I think Lil Wayne got a pardon. Too. I like Lil. Listen, Lil Wayne at least politically is apolitical in the sense that he doesn't get behind candidates, but he doesn't uh, preach. Preach. I hate his music, by the way. Doesn't preach the race hate. I, it, some of the stuff I can't stand. Best stuff yeah, he, he ever did was he with the Cash preach, Money yeah, Millionaires. He's just with like, bro, just everybody smoking chill. <laughs> I'm just saying that it was never my cup of tea, but I've heard him say some things politically. Like, for instance, I don't know if you've ever uh, heard the story of who saved his life. Oh, the, the black cop that saved his life. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think it was a white cop. That was the thing. He he talks about how it was a white cop and he didn't see. Oh, uh, I thought it was a black cop. No, I'm, I'm pretty sure that's home. that's the story is that guy was just looking at me as a person. And then in the video I saw, he said, he's like, how can I feel oppressed when the guy that's sitting behind the camera taping me is white? <laughs> He's like, that guy's not doing better than me. He's like, am I really being, they're here for me. He's like, so like, I don't live in that world. And, and I guess it happened to him. I think that young thing and then finding success at a young age when so many people, mm -hmm. and, and the thing is, it doesn't matter what color you are. So many people struggle anyway to get to the level they want to be or feel like they've achieved something. Right. And some will yeah. never get there, you know, and there's a frustration to that. Uh, and we live in a victim society right now. That is very true. And that's also, I, 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 I want to say, because I know that your show is a lot of conservatives. So I do want to say, there seems to be this belief that like liberals victimize themselves more than conservatives do. And I'm just here to tell y'all, that's bullshit. Both yeah. of y'all victimize the fuck out of yourselves. Like, I just, like, I can't, well, I was poor too. Like, bitch, so you in the Depression Olympics? I thought that it was all good. <laughs> what happened to self-determination and I conquered through, I pulled myself up by the booster. It's like, so now you're complaining about your situation? Or if someone, or if a, a black person got, became successful, you assume that it's because they were black and they had some sort of advantage? Like, or maybe they took self-responsibility and, and handled their business too, right? Like there are victims on all sides. Just like, I think we've talked about this before, the social justice warrior rhetoric, people think that's exclusively a liberal thing. No, there's conservative, there's people who have entire podcasts explicitly and exclusively based on social justice warrior rhetoric just for the right, that's all. It doesn't further this country in any way. They take the most extreme example of, of, a, of a stupid fucking liberal doing stupid fucking liberal shit that even genuine leftists don't like. Just like liberals take this most extreme fucking example, some dumb shit Ben Shapiro said, and to pretend like that's all conservative. Like, <laughs> Shapiro's like the worst too, man. Like he's like- Bro, the worst. Or Ted Cruz, like, so like bro, like are we, like we, I, I have so many conservative friends that think Ben Shapiro's a fucking idiot. Well, he, he like listened. now they may not say that on Twitter. They may not say that on social media because whatever, you know, you know, the politics fucking go. But well, like, the thing is, he's there to stretch the narrative, too. Right. Like there are certain things he wouldn't do during the covid 1984 nightmare. He pushed jabby jab all over the place. He pushed yeah, the he Mueller did. report. He's like, oh, we're going to get to the bottom of this Russia gate with the Mueller report. You know, oh, I forgot about He did. He did. Yeah. He pushed he was, it. Bro, he, remember he came out. Was it his dad who came out and basically said he was paid to be anti-Trump? I'm not sure about that. I, but I, I remember watching I, him I also. I wish I could remember. Bro, I got to find the article because I remember covering that story. Like, what the fuck? Because it was like Ben Shapiro was on a vendetta at one point. Oh, he was as anti-Trump. in the first, And that's the thing. I think that there was a difference and and even now i think there is a difference in that candidate i'll say this 
you know, uh, DeSantis's guy was just at Bilderberg, his main yeah. funder. And you can't say that about Trump. But at the same time, when Trump got in, his first Bilderberg 2017 littered with his own dudes. You know, Peter yeah. Thiel, McMasters, Liddell. I mean, again, littered. So you can't ignore that. I'm wondering if you saw the story, now that we're talking about Russiagate a little, little uh, about Douglas Mackey, a.k.a. Ricky Vaughn which was the meme story where they said they, they put him in jail for that meme where you texted your vote to Hillary Clinton. Uh, I haven't seen the story, but I remember the original. Uh, all right. So that wasn't really what the case was about. What it was about was taking really down the Russian network that wasn't Russia that actually did help Trump get elected. So they told us Russia, Russia bots... They released that GRU paper where they named names and um, said these guys were, you know, and the Facebook ads, which was like $100,000. Remember that? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And all of that obviously didn't prove any kind of large Russian network. Instead, it was a group which was Douglas Mackey. Okay. And that's why they went after him who was Ricky Vaughn. Like, if you ever saw those memes of Ricky Vaughn with the crazy eyes that uh, were going viral, they were everywhere. Yeah. So he was Ricky Vaughn. He's the one they just gave 10 years ago to. Do you know what they allowed to convict him? What was that? They brought in a gentleman, and I say this very lightly, <laughs> gentlemen, because none of these people are gentlemen, <laughs> called Microchip, who they let testify against him, okay? Oh, uh, what? <laughs> hold on, it gets better. Undercover as Microchip without giving his name or identity. It gets better than that. Okay, this is the guy that was the Russians with Mackie and another person named Makani in the MAGA 3X group. Let me read you something from this BuzzFeed article from 2017. R.I.P. <laughs> <laughs> Where do you see it? It's, it's, it's amazing. So, indeed, in a national atmosphere charged by unproven accusations about massive networks of Russian social media influence, the story of how Microchip help build the most notorious pro-Trump Twitter network seems almost mundane, less a technology-daunting intelligence operation than a clever patchworking of tools nearly any computer-literate person could manage. It also suggests that some of the current Russian Trump bot hysteria may be, well, a hysteria. It's all us, not the Russians, Microchip said, and we're not going to stop. So it gets better. <laughs> That's very confusing. So that testimony. That's not testimony. <laughs> from the guy who that's, all, hold on. That's not testimony. So, so let me explain that. That's an article from 2017. Okay. okay. And Politico did one on him in 2015. So listen, okay. in 2018, and we only know this because of the, the Mackey trial, he becomes a federal informant. In that same year, he also claims that he helped start QAnon at DEF CON with Dreamcatcher, a.k.a. James Brower, and possibly DeFango as they're all in the logs. I had DeFango and Brower on my program in January of 2019 by the time Microchip, who was supposed to come on and didn't, okay, um, was an FBI informant. Now, the piece you can watch where Microchip claims that they started QAnon uh, is Posobic, and it's on OAN. You can watch it. My point mm. is they still charged him, Microchip, after the fact with unknown charges. So they made him an informant by 2018. 2021, they charge him, and now they're using him as a witness against the actual network 
that was yeah, effective that, online. And I didn't know how these things work. He, he, he wants to get out of jail, right? And well, I don't know that he's even in jail. <laughs> I mean, it's called a plea deal. I mean, you know, you reduce some of your time for good behavior. In other words, make up some bullshit about the person we're trying to prosecute <laughs> so that that person can go to jail and you can get less time and we all look like we did our jobs. I mean, that's, that's the justice system. But it's it's crazy to me. that it, The big difference to me is that they're making this person anonymous when even in like mafioso trials, they don't do that till after the fact. You know who's testifying against another yeah, person. Yeah, because... You don't know... you. How do you face your accuser when they're an anonymous online troll and you don't even get to know who they are and you know they flip because credibility is such a major factor when it comes to prosecuting somebody like the legitimacy of their 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 testimony mm -hmm. so like it's it, you can't be anonymous and because but this is like once again it goes back to what i was saying jason like i don't believe in our justice system or the u.s justice system i do not believe it's legitimate because it, it, that doesn't change because they're prosecuting a conservative or or a liberal for that matter mm -hmm. like if they get it right, it was on accident. It is, it is an anomaly. It is not the norm. And this is just another example. They will manipulate and manipulate and manipulate until they get. I mean, remember when they went, when they rearrested Chelsea Manning? You remember that? <laughs> I do. I do. And they just like kept her in jail be, on, because she wouldn't engage in double jeopardy, mm -hmm. basically. Mm -hmm. <laughs> like yeah, it was a weird and, one. Man. And then they just let her go. Yeah, it was. She, and, she and never. It, she never cooperated, and they just let her go. And that was they a just weird one they, you they, don't... she was getting her life back together, and they just ruined it. it like they tried to ruin it again to the point where now she's like basically terrified of engaging in public, like because every time she gets some traction and people start to look at her story and look at look closely at her story, like the pub, the mainstream, the public, they do this type of they do that type of shit to her. Like that is what I'm talking about when I say I don't trust the justice system. There, you don't get maybe like politicians get protected from double jeopardy or the elite politicians, those like from the DOC, the Democratic Leadership Council, but you don't get protection from that shit. They're going to, they will come up with some other bullshit to justify entrenching you in that system and they will make it too expensive for you to escape. Like that's what it comes down to. And at this point, Trump isn't even an exception to that rule. He's a billionaire. He was a former president. Well, now we're in a, a position where former presidents, like, you know, you, back in the day, Jason, used to be able to be protected by the little cute titles. The not cute anymore. titles, you know what I'm saying? Oh, they're, they're not legitimate titles. We know that. Mm -hmm. But you were supposed to have a certain level of amnesty if you ever did achieve that goal of achieving, of, of gaining one of those cute titles. And now we're learning that even presidents, if you don't play the game and you just so happen to fall into that position, you're not even you're you're not even exempt from that. Everybody in the U.S. can be prosecuted. Hell, look at Assange. You don't even have to be in the U.S. anymore. <laughs> not only that, and, and that's the thing. That's the irony of Trump, is that he had an opportunity to drop those charges, get rid of the DOJ going after and him. Imagine, uh, and imagine, imagine, Jason. He, he ran exactly. He ran on love the WikiLeaks. Can't have you seen the WikiLeaks? All that stuff. He sends Rohrbacher over there. He, he doesn't get what he wants, which is he wants Assange to come out and give up his source for the DNC emails to show it wasn't hacked by the Russians, which it wasn't. This was a download dump. Yeah, it wasn't. Yeah, yeah, yeah Obviously, he said, we I am a journalist. And I and think about that for the integrity of Assange, everybody. This guy at this time still isn't even in Belmarsh, okay? Yeah. He, he's, he's in the Ecuadorian embassy, and he's got an out. You come to the United States, 
you come and testify this. Maybe he thought that was too dangerous too. I don't know. But he says no. Trump feels Yeah, snuck. I mean, shit, when you still have to deal with Pompeo and those boys, like, he's like, yeah, Trump may want the best for me, but, like, he doesn't, he has no control over his administration. He just doesn't know it yet. That's right. Well, for whatever reason, he, he didn't play that ball. And, and honestly, for me at that time, uh, you, you know, there's other leaks that come out that are important during the Trump administration, a.k.a. the OPCW documents and Duma. That's the big thing yeah. that the chemical oh, yeah. attacks. Oh, yeah. I forgot about that. Yeah. And that's that him crazy. being in Ecuador. So, like, he remains journalistically, in, uh, you know, has integrity, period. Accountable. He, he it, like, he believes in the creed. That's like, right. And, and, and that's a big fucking deal, everybody. That's a big deal. So when Trump and his son allegedly threw the Fairbanks reporting and Fairbanks, uh, Cassandra, was taping Rick Grinnell's assistant, and a lot of this came out through that and basically said that Donald and Donald Jr. were shown photographs of men, women, and children that had been supposedly killed because of Assange leaks. However, they explained that or whatever. It's never been proven in court. and In fact, quite the opposite, that the press put more people in danger by revealing names from leaked documents than Assange yes. did himself. Again, you Hillary got did, too, through her servers. A hundred percent. Everybody keeps forgetting about that, but whatever. I mean, I don't forget about I, it. Hey, Jason, I have a question for you. Sure. More, it's probably more a little, a little bit more, you know, down to earth. But I'm, did you see that that video that I posted um, about the the vet who was literally like crying and because he's retired, but he has a lot of mental health issues. I did watch that issues. video. Actually, I did watch that video. Yes, bro. How is that? How do you feel about? Because I, I, so I posted that video and it got obviously a lot of traction. It got like two million views so far, mm -hmm. and I'm glad it did because some people think that it's like me. So first of all, to to premise, I'm a I'm a vet. For those of you who don't know, I'm an army vet, and I actually basically explained to my my command that I'm not deploying because I didn't want to end up like that, mm -hmm. right? Like I knew the real reason. I didn't want to join the military, so I need people to understand that I was poor. <laughs> my family was poor. I had no way out and I just had to finesse my way um, because life is real despite what these motherfuckers online will try to tell you. Like we live in an empire and people try to just get it how you live. That's how it works in the empire, unfortunately. Mm -hmm. um, you, and you do your best to navigate it uh, within the circumstances. I don't know this guy's backstory like completely, but I do know that that is a shining example of what happens if you play the empire's game. Mm -hmm. there, so let's, let's talk about the video. For the audience, so you basically oh, yeah, have this go ahead, vet. Please, yeah. So you, you basically have this vet who is talking about coming back after seeing tragedy after tragedy in the Middle East where he served, and him having mental health issues, PTSD, the whole nine. Um, and look, he talks about briefly the types of medications that he's on, and that you know it's up and down, and they're up in the doses here and there. But he talks about basically the instability of what he's given via the VA and who's going to work with him and why they're going to work with him, et cetera. And he even discussed keep how, changing doctors. And then some doctors supposedly stop, don't want to work with him anymore. Well, that, that's then, the like, important thing. Getting he finds somebody he likes for, for whatever re reason through the bureaucracy that gets pulled. He finally felt like he had connected with somebody. And, and as he says later, you know, it's very hard to just start over and start going through all this initial trauma again when you think you've worked through it with somebody. By the way, that's happened to me before. Because uh -huh. I have PTSD too, for something totally separate. It's, it's military related, but like I watched my one of my friends die in basic training directly due to a, a, a drill sergeant's actions. So like, 
And as I'm exper experiencing this, this, this therapy, the therapist is basically getting screwed over by the VA. And so she has to start a separate practice, mm -hmm. it, which is luckily I could afford it. Mm -hmm. However, like if I was like this guy, he's like, what the fuck? And then, like you said, that person that he liked. So after I think he said almost two years of struggling to get back with that person, that person was no longer interested in working with him, which, again, mm -hmm. who knows what his problems were? Maybe he felt like I'm, I'm not even putting it on the doctor. I'm putting it on the system that initially yeah. took that away. And then two years later, he still can't reconnect with a little bit of hope. And I don't listen. Bottom line is, I'm not going to sit here and act like I've ever had that type of trauma, like watch somebody die that was close to me in front of me or had to do horrific things or things that are morally unethical in my mind in another country. That's got to be extremely difficult. And, mm -hmm. you know, to just tell somebody, well, you just, he, he talked about it. You're a Marine, you know, keep it inside, shut up, move on, move forward. Next day. That's not really possible when you have those type of traumatic experiences. I'm not even sitting here claiming to have all the answers to that, but I can certainly tell you that the answer is not to have this awful system of inconsistency in both the drugs and the doctors for those yes. who are supposed to be our quote unquote best and bravest, uh, Nico. I feel like it's also, it's an opportunity to discuss like the, the elephant in the room, right? Because it's a good, there's a high likelihood that he probably killed or took an innocent life while he was overseas. Like that's, it's, it's probably why he feels the way he does. Does that excuse his actions? Absolutely not. Um, however, if he participates, sees all the stuff that he saw and doesn't do what he's supposed to do, then he just gets dishonorably discharged. We're not even having this conversation. He's probably homeless on the street somewhere and still going through this. Uh, he doesn't, can't even afford a cell phone to make that video. Um, like I said, I don't know his financial background from, you know, from his childhood, uh, but mm -hmm. what I can say is is that what he did was wrong if he participated in any type of unjust murder. I mean, I, I, I can make it a moral argument that joining the military at all is a problem. I joined and I was legal. So I actually held people accountable for fucking up overseas. That's what my job was. However, I was still in some ways enabling that system to exist. And so I have an argument that I can make morally that it's just wrong to be a part of the military. But I need people to understand something. Life is not black and white. Like, it is very difficult living outside of the empire and being a victim of the empire. But at the same time, living within it, like living within the empire is not like all shits and giggles. <laughs> and I need people to understand because every country, every, every major player on like, you know, whether it be the Ottoman empire, the Portuguese empire, I mean like Spanish empire, UK, everybody has been part of an empire. Like at some point, at some point and you've, your people have benefited in some way, form, or fashion from some type of empire. However, it is easy to reflect and look at the highest heights, but you don't know what it's like to live in the slums. It's like, it's like Star Wars. They talk about that all the time. Like, yeah, you see Coruscant, you see these flying cars, and these beautiful lights, and the city planet, but they, don't, they rarely show you the slums of Coruscant until you start watching the shows and seeing how, shit, how shitty it, it really is and how, what kind of a toll the empire takes on the people living inside of it. And how is it? You, you really can't escape it. It, it. It's almost lucky if you're one of those people who, who finds a way like myself, like I live in Brazil now, and I, I finessed my way into the position I'm in right now. But the odds are like most of the people in my neighborhood did not, the people I grew up around did not. And that's just reality. We need to show compassion and empathy 
and, and Jason talks about this a lot. I know I talk about this a lot on my shows. Like we need to show compassion and empathy because it, it's, it's, yeah, being killed almost feels like mercy at times. So there are a lot of people who kill themselves because they feel like death is mercy because compared to the, the, the pain of reliving every single day of I completely violated my moral code. My family looks at me differently. The world now, imagine being, remember, it's, it was cool being a, a troop in 2003 where everybody was screaming, I support the troops. You were getting military discounts everywhere. The US was, every, you know, you just knew that you felt appreciated because you just knew you were doing the right thing. We don't live in that world anymore. We live in a world where we're having record low recruitments. <laughs> well, because we everybody live in a world where they got drag queens in naval outfits thinking that's going to somehow appeal to people um, joining the military. But I think a lot of that is because, again, they're pushing the automation, the transhumanism. They want more of that. Yeah. They want more of the track trace database. You know, I, I'm, I'm get rid curious. Of identity. They want to get rid of your identity, bro. They, that's, what, that's what it comes down to. When you don't have an identity, you're more susceptible to being coerced. Well, think about that. We were. T it almost goes back to that, you know, victim mentality we're talking about across the board for human beings, no matter who you are and where you're from, is that sense that is pushed upon us that you are small, that you are insignificant, that you really can't make a change. Yeah. And there's so many people when you tell them your thoughts and dreams, they tell you they that you can't do that, right? Yeah. And that does take uh, a certain amount of perseverance to to understand that you are somebody that's important. You can build and create yourself rather than let Absolutely. other people build and create you and tell you why and how you're going to be happy. And so many people, I think, um, get a taste of that through some type of endorphin response through acceptance, right? Whether it be yeah. on social media or in a group at a job or some kind of sports, mm. you political know. parties or religion. Exactly. Or like, social which is basically the same thing now. They, they're not examining what actually truly can sustain their happiness and understanding that it's not smiles and sunshine all the time and everywhere. And just because you're enjoying yourself now and you've set up something, like you said, finessed yourself, it's it's an everyday struggle to keep that up and hopefully get better. And it's not 100%. like... It's not like, hey, everything's gravy train with biscuit wheels from now on. There's always going to be obstacles in life, period. Hell, I mean, Jason, people, I mean, I know a lot of people follow you now, and they, they, everything that you've said is basically coming to fruition. But even yourself, the things that you're saying now are, are not different from what you were saying 10 years ago. Like, the difference is people are willing to accept them mm -hmm. because you were right, and mm -hmm. everything is coming to fruition. But they don't know... Like before you would have been considered an arbitrage, whether it be from liberals or conservatives, because you were not, you refused to be a part of that limited hangout. And in a lot of ways, back in the day, whenever I was telling people like, yo, guys, Bernie might be full of shit and we need to accept this now and start moving past that. And people leftists were attacking me as a conservative. They were attacked. I mean, bro, I mean, people call me Nazi. People literally <laughs> call me Nazi, which is crazy. Like I had to tell one dude, like, yo, if like you call me a Nazi again, I'm gonna smack the fuck out of you. Like, I just totally <laughs> At a certain point, like, bro, I'm not gonna let your white ass call me a Nazi. When, and then the dude, and he called me a Nazi for one, being willing to work with and talk to conservatives. And then he goes and starts a podcast with the conservatives because he realized, oh shit, if I talk to conservatives and 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 say some cool MAGA stuff, then people like me. Like because that's what it comes down to for everybody. I don't care about being accepted, therefore I am a problem. <laughs> well, that, that's you know the thing, man. Like, hold up, you don't care about people's acceptance? Well, doesn't that mean you have a, a you're much more likely to just be honest for the sake of being honest? Well, yeah. Oh, hell no. You, mm -mm, mm -mm. Yeah. you will see a concerted effort 
to blackball anybody who thinks like myself or thinks like Jason or even you know for 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 his 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 good and his bad Alex Jones or or Owen or any of those type of people uh, Pasta Fiorella anybody who refuses to walk that line you will see people black them out you will see people smear them and it isn't even because they're wrong it isn't because they're right it isn't because like of their that other person's moral code fuck that it has nothing to do with it it's because you could expose me just by being yourself and i can't have that that's what it comes down to <laughs> well again we're gonna ask tough questions right so you know we got about i think uh 12 more minutes before we got to end the show what do you think of rfk jr now i had an interesting conversation hmm with uh derek bros right because you know rfk jr is certainly saying a lot of uh, a lot of the right things there are people on uh the right that don't like his uh former stances on climate change and they're worried about a carbon system despite the fact he's talking about the wef but bros had a really interesting question that he wants to ask him if he gets him on the show and that he was in the epstein black book and nobody's brought that up with him yet the, yeah, the original black book. Now, look, I don't think that everybody in that black book was connected. But at the same time, obviously, that would make him aware of Epstein and possibly be in those circles. I think that we are yeah. owed what that is, especially in the light that Whitney Webb was right, everybody. Again, Whitney I Webb mean, was she, right. Uh, I, I, you could just say that. That's always going to be true. Like, whatever the subject is, Whitney Webb was right. Just, just Whitney Webb was right. And we now have that story of Bill Gates... Um, possibly being extorted by Epstein for his affair with a 20-year-old Russian uh, bridge player. Did you see that? Yeah, like I'm, I'm sure that's the worst thing that Bill Gates could be extorted by Epstein, right? Like, that's a fucking red herring. Anyway, go ahead. Sorry. Now, well, whether or not it is, it shows that the blackmail is there. We show It shows that it spans not just the Republicans, but the Democrats. Yep. It's both sides, right? I sit there, I talk about Hassard as a Speaker of the House and Foley, and then we can talk about Wiener on the other side. It's all there in front of us. What are your thoughts? Well, I, I kind of got on a skew, but what are your thoughts on the RFK uh, run for the presidency up until now? And with that mm -hmm. revelation, what are your thoughts with, with the Epstein thing that keeps... I mean, that Virgin Islands case is a big case, and it's making a lot of revelations. Another hero of the left yeah. exposed, Chomsky. So, which, by the way, I wasn't surprised by. I don't like Chomsky. I have not liked Chomsky for quite some time. Like he's full of shit. Um, so there's that. Yeah. Uh, also, on the other side of that fence, so with RFK Jr., uh, oh, really quick, did you know that SpongeBob on his driver's license has a fucking address to Epstein Island? No, it does not. Swear to fucking God, bro. I swear to God. I got to look. You send me that, and I'll retweet that. And we put that one yeah, out today. I'm, I, I, okay. Bro, it's on IG. I'm going to send it to you. I'm going to send it to you. It's okay. just crazy. So, yeah. Okay, anyway. So I believe that RFK Jr. is a candidate, and I also do believe that he's naive, and I do believe it was, if it's, it's um, just like with Trump, it is Epstein's job to get him in that black book. However, with his stances against uh, vaccines, or at least for making sure that we research and, and, and become a little bit more sure about how vaccines are operating within our bodies, our temples, like, I don't think that he actually succumbed to any of the 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 extortion or potential extortion attempts that were made by Epstein, like that's that's a huge possibility. Um, could he be guilty? I mean, yeah, he could be. But I think that if they, they had something on RFK, um, they would have come out with it by now, right? I, I feel like that. Or perhaps they do have something, and he's terrified of it releasing, and he's playing his part. 
which we won't find out until later. Um, but the but this it's just bro, I feel like there's just so many people that woke up to the damage of the COVID vaccines mm -hmm. because of RFK that it would be hard to believe that they wouldn't have dropped it then. Mm -hmm. Right? That's what I believe. So also his presidential run, it concerns me a little bit, right? Having CIA literally in his campaign. <laughs> like, I don't know. Like I, don't, I get it. RFK seems like that type of person who's fiercely loyal. He believes in the best of people. It's just who he is. It, it could be one of his biggest flaws. I know Tulsi was like that. Tulsi is one of those people who was fiercely loyal, and he believed that people deserve a second chance to prove themselves. And he that could be him. Mm -hmm. However, it's still problematic because I, I don't. Like, I need you to be. You can be loyal, but I don't need you to be naive. Because just because you're loyal to her doesn't mean that she needs to be loyal to you. If she's a double agent, she could have been planted in your camp, in your family, long before you had even thought that was a possibility, sir. And that's the scary thing, I know thing, somebody, right? Jason, yeah. whose mom was a honeypot from the moment that her dad stepped on the island of Trinidad. And she had no idea until the day her mother died that she, we found out that her dad was a CIA agent. We found that part out. Well, actually, I found it out just by asking a bunch of questions and I figured it out. Like, oh, shit, you're that CIA agent. That's crazy that you didn't know that. So she thought the whole time that her mom was just an innocent victim in all this. Like, she's so naive. I, like, I, I just feel so bad for her because she doesn't know the truth about my dad. Turns out, bro, fucking mom was in on it the whole time. It was probably the, like, the people that she was connected to were the ones giving the fucking orders. So, so, so she, like, how you long don't were they know married? until you know. How and long he were couldn't they married? find out at the worst possible time. How long were they married? Bro, what? So my friend is about 60 years old. I'm gonna put it like that. So this is like, like he was responsible for some coups in the Caribbean. I'm gonna put it, I'm gonna put it like that. I can't go into specific details, but he, he was responsible for some coups, multiple actually. Interesting, <laughs> interesting. But she, did, she thought that her, her, the mom was just an innocent victim in all this. And she was like, the, she was the one who brought him into the fold. What are your thoughts? You know, again, we only got a few more minutes left. Uh, everybody needs to go follow uh, at Nico House, right? That's that's the uh, main one. Real Nico House. Real Nico at House. Real, no, real Nico House. What are your thoughts on the, the migration issue? Because I see it being thrown around again, mm -hmm. left, right, talking points. It's worse Angel. than they say. It's not as bad as they say. Title Man. 42. Okay. Yeah, what is your, so what are your me, thoughts on that? So let me just say this, Jason. And we talk about this all the time. Conservatives. If you don't want migrants coming into the country and doing what you think that they're doing, then tell your fucking leaders to stop invading their countries, to stop overthrowing their governments, to stop destroying their economies via NAFTA and other ways. Leave them the fuck alone. I can tell you from, like, I, I meet Brazilians all the time who are like, I don't want to leave Brazil, bro. They don't want to leave. They love their country. They love the culture. They love the people. In fact, the ones who move to the States like my, so I, I was a, a, one of my, my second major was Brazilian Portuguese. She was from Rio and she would say at a time, I miss Brazil so much. I was like, well, why don't you just move back? She said, I can't. I have to support my family. Um, and the, reason, the only reason she's there is because of the economy that is up and down that we are responsible for destroying and corrupting. Like it's our fault. It is that the Brazil's problems are literally our fault. They have so many potential exports and you know, we limit the WTO, which is effectively the United States. We limit them to exporting exclusively sugarcane for the most part. That's it. That is our fault. I don't care which side of the migration argument, you oh, illegal immigrants not a problem. Like, no, most of the illegal immigrants pay taxes, right? Most of this, this is a fact. Most of them pay taxes. 
Uh, like the shit that's going on in, the, in, in Florida with DeSantis, that's culture war bullshit. He is falling victim to, to social media clout, like, which is very disappointing to see because I felt like DeSantis had so much potential. Um, but he it completely misunderstands what made Trump so popular in 2016. Trump wasn't engaging in culture war bullshit during that election, and people seem to forget that. See, Bannon was smarter than that. He argued for populist policies from the perspective of a conservative and in, 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 in offer a legitimate alternative to the conservative part. He didn't come out and try to sound more Ted Cruz than Ted Cruz. I hate Ted Cruz. Ted Cruz. I hate him so much, though. He just, yeah, I just shouldn't even say that. Everything I, about him. I don't so hate greasy, anybody. Bro. But, but so naturally greasy. He's just a greasy motherfucker. I mean, but he anyway. does look like Grandpa Monster. His dad, you know, I, you know, I'm not here to bash Ted Cruz. Hey, but, but, but no, seriously, like if some of you are like, oh man, Joe Biden and Kamala Harris are bringing in or allowing more uh, or facilitating more illegal immigration, possibly, probably, because mm -hmm. everybody who was involved, both Democrats and Republicans in those facilities that they lock those immigrants up in, I mean, the one in Florida makes them $277 per kid per day. Mm -hmm. And that's in Democrats and Republicans still on that board of that particular one. And that's how it is all over the country. And they also know that this is a controversial issue, just like just like abortion. You can argue about immigration. You can argue about abortion. And instead of paying attention to the fact that they're literally putting fucking mRNA vaccines in animals that you're about to eat. That's what you're going to talk about instead. Mm -hmm. So how about we just say, you know what? Don't I don't want to hear your immigration. If everybody just stopped and said, we're not going to hear about your immigration argument until you start talking about how you're going to not interfere with other people's in other people's business. And then we can finally have that conversation to figure out if immigration is genuinely a problem or if it is just another manufactured problem to distract us from the real issues. Well, you know, I'd say parallel to that where I'm where I'd say I'm in even more agreement is when we talk about drugs in the cartel, because obviously you know, it was proven during Iran-Contra, we're running the drug trade. <laughs> so if you don't think, Duh. again, the black, the black ops behind the scenes isn't running the cartels and wants that border open to a certain extent so they can keep their black ops, you're again being naive. And I think, exactly. I think the other part of that is that this does work into the sustainability goals. This is just on migration in the 2030 agenda put out by the World Economic Forum. And it sells you on, you know, again, this idea that if you do question the policy that's per currently in place, obviously you're a bigot. When they talk about no poverty, right, th th then they're talking yeah. about the equalizations of the haves and the have-nots. But in reality, we're always going to have the have-everythings and the yeah. little bureaucratic minions that are at 100%. that upper echelon in the public face. That's a problem. Table scrap. I mean, again, that's the problem that you're not addressing at the infrastructure of the issue. Okay, you want a wall. I guess we're going to have to start dealing the crack, cocaine, and everything else that's illegal. And stop, and stop allowing uh, ICE to traffic little girls that it snatches at the border. Like, nobody wants to talk about that. Everybody keeps talking about human trafficking and, oh, it's those Mexicans human trafficking. Bro, no, because ICE catches all the kids. They, they say, oh, sorry, your aunt is an illegal guardian, according to these laws that we just made up yesterday. Like, so we're going to take your daughter and she's going to get lost in the system because she doesn't know how to speak English and she doesn't have a lawyer. Nico, this has been a kick-ass uh, hour-long conversation. Tell everybody what you got going on, where they can find you. And uh, I just want to say it's been great catching up. Again, I didn't even get to every subject I want to talk to to you about. So hopefully do, we'll do, do it Do we ever, man? <laughs> we never do. But, hey, man, definitely going to got to come back on again soon. So I got a, a new podcast that's dropping on Thursday on Rockfin. Uh, 
pr uh, primarily. And then the next day, it'll be released on other platforms. Uh, it's called For the People Podcast. We'll be talking about politics, pop culture, everything under the sun, and basically showing how it's all interconnected, uh, having a good time talking about that stuff with cool guests. Hopefully, Jason will be one of them. I'm also on Twitter at Real Nico House, on Instagram at Real Nico House, and on TikTok as well at Real Nico House. So you can follow me there. Brother, thank you so much. My audience, I love you guys. I'm glad you came over to the second hour, and we will see you on the flip side. Not about left or right, everybody. Always about right and wrong. Later, everyone.